0: at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?
1: Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today joining me for episode 81 is Matt Collins of Over the Monster. Matt, welcome back to the podcast.
2: Thank you. It's a pleasure.
1: So, first thing I want to talk about on the podcast today is David Price. Uh, David Price is someone who we talk about entirely too much. Um, it seems like mostly negative when, when, when he's brought up, but uh, since May 12th, David Price has been doing some pretty impressive stuff. Uh, over his last seven starts, he's had a 2.64 ERA, a one oh four whip, 47 strikeouts to just 14 walks over the last 44 innings pitched. Uh, I think it's fair to say he has been pitching like an ace. Matt, how the hell has he been doing this, and what did he change?
2: I mean, he's good. I think that's the biggest thing. He had... A few bad starts mixed in, but he got off to a really good start. Had like a bad three-start stretch or four starts in, out of five. But, I mean, he's been good pretty much all year. Um, I think the thing that stands out the most right now is his command. You kind of see that he's not throwing anything besides fastballs and cutters for the most part. He's had a few starts in this run where he's thrown in the changeup here and there. Last night was not one of those nights. I don't know if I saw more than like two or three uh, off-speed pitches. So it's it's risky throwing like all those hard pitches and that's all you're throwing. But when you're painting the edges of the zone like Price can when he's at his best, um, I mean he's gonna dominate. He has good enough stuff that it doesn't matter if he's only throwing fastball cutter with that command. He's gonna do what he's doing now. He's just super talented.
1: Yeah, since the start of June, it does look like his stuff has ticked up a little bit as well. Uh, In terms of velocity, he's been throwing right around 94, a little bit over 94 over his last three starts if you average those together um, with the four-seam fastball. Sinker's caught up a little bit uh, as well. That's been around 93, 94, and the cutter's up about a mile an hour as well. So He is throwing harder. I wonder if that's indicative of basically the fact that he's feeling a little bit better yeah
2: probably Um, I mean this is the May 12th date I believe correlates pretty much exactly with like the peak of that Shaughnessy Fortnite nonsense Um, so he was definitely feeling something and now he's not anymore and I know people want to hand wave the health and say it was being afraid of the Yankees or whatever the fuck the excuse was but I mean he was clearly hurt and he's clearly looking a lot better now
1: yeah I still think it is dangerous what he's doing like not throwing basically any off-speed pitches is dangerous and like you said if you're painting that's totally fine but as soon as that control is off one night he could easily get blown up I mean the last few outings uh, the most curveballs he's thrown uh, has been five. The, he did throw 10 curveballs against Toronto, which was on the May 12th start. Um, but every start since then, it's been one, four, one, two, one, five. I mean, it's it's barely there. The one thing that I have seen, though, over the last three starts that we've seen his velocity be up a little bit is that he's thrown that four seam more. And last night, he threw a season-high 27 four-seam fastballs.
2: Yeah, he was leading super heavy on that. Um, it seems like, I don't know the exact breakdown, I could be talking to my ass right now, but there were just a couple of hitters, Segura, um specifically is one that I remember that he was just like only attacking with four seamers, so um, I think that was part, I don't know if we're going to see that a lot, that might have just been scouting that they saw something in this Mariners lineup, but um, to your point about the Arsenal and not using the off-speed I mean, his changeup has looked good when he's thrown it. I mean, it's not a matter of he doesn't really have confidence in it or that, or he should Should he should have confidence in it is what I need to say um, because it's looked great. And so I wonder if we'll see a start where he doesn't have that command and then that's when he'll be willing to throw the off-speed more um, because if that's the plan to hold off until he absolutely needs it, that's fine with me.
1: Yeah, I mean, if he can keep – doing whatever he's doing and producing results. It's definitely – it's what the team needs. (laughs) I mean, right now, the team is operating at peak levels with him healthy, uh, pitching like this, plus Chris Sale. It's it's kind of the dream right now.
2: The rotation is um, incredible at the moment. Um, Everybody is pitching well, even like Porcello and Rodriguez who – we kind of feel like aren't doing that great it's a lot because they're pitching with sale and price and steven Wright, who's going nuts right now so um i mean they're allowing two or three runs pretty much every start and it's i i've always thought that pitching was the strength of this team for a little bit the offense is carrying them but if they're going to be the best possible version of this roster it's going to be a team that's led by great starting pitching
1: yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that's the separator. That's even what separates this team from you know, other great teams like the Yankees is just the pitching is a step above when it's on. Um, to, to Price's success, though, one of the things that I have noticed over this uh, seven-game stretch is that he had, just hasn't been giving up any home runs. He's only given up three over that stretch, which is something that really plagued him uh, in the past. So I think that uh, he's certainly made some adjustment to try and prevent those home run balls.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it just goes back to the command. Um, And, I mean, his cutter is sick. And it has been sick pretty much all season. Um, So unless he, I mean, he's thrown a couple of flat ones, obviously, that's going to happen. But, I mean, that's a pitch that's pretty much impossible to square up. Um, Anytime anybody gets a hit off one of his cutters, that's good. Um, I, I don't understand how it's possible. So I think... Part of it is it It would seem like if you're throwing a lot of fastballs and a lot of hard pitches, you're going to give up more home runs, but um, most of his hard pitches are 2 seam fastballs, which are going to move, obviously, in the cutter, which is impossible to square up. So um, it kind of makes sense.
1: Yeah, it definitely definitely does, and hopefully he can keep this up because uh, that would be good for everybody involved in this scenario. Good David Price's is. He's awesome and it's relatively quiet too.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I don't really care about that. Go, you're thrown like this, say whatever the hell you want. But, um, yeah, I mean, we've said it a million times all year. He's arguably the most important player on this team. So we're seeing it. We're seeing why,
1: um, tonight, uh, as we record this, uh, the Red Sox are going to be going up against one of the best pitchers in the American league, uh, in James Paxton. Um, Paxton has been awesome, uh, this year, uh, he did have that no-hitter as well, which was pretty cool. Um, the one thing about Paxton...
2: He got attacked by the eagle, right? That was him?
1: Yeah, that was him. Yeah. <laughs> Bird, like, landed right on his head, and he was surprisingly calm by yeah, it. Yeah, he didn't react at all.
2: No. Uh, that was probably my favorite moment of the season.
1: Well, he's Canadian, too, so I wonder, yeah. like, what type of uh, wilderness he's used to just, like, being all up in his face like that. <laughs> I mean, has he had awesome. a grizzly bear? Like, there's a lot of questions I have after this.
2: I would have ran off the field. I don't know how he did what he did, but
1: yeah. I mean, have you seen the talents on those things? I know. I know. If if that gets a hold of his eye, his career is over.
2: I know. That's the thing. It It was like a scary moment while it was happening, but... After, now it's just hilarious.
1: <laughs> well, anyway, the Big Maple, uh, which is a great nickname, by the way, uh, he's going to be going up against the Sox. But this is not particularly good news for the Red Sox. Not only is he pitching at home at Safeco Field, but the Red Sox are 23rd in baseball with an 85 uh, weighted runs created plus against lefties this year. Uh, it's certainly been a big struggle for this team. It's one of the disparities between the Red Sox and Yankees. Yankees can definitely hit lefties. The Red Sox cannot. Uh, Red Sox are batting uh, 119 weighted runs created plus against righties, which is best in baseball. So that discrepancy is pretty big. First against righties, 23rd against lefties. How big of an issue is this for the Red Sox?
2: Um, I'm not super concerned right now, but um, I mean, it's definitely an issue in – part of it is that Ben Intendi has just been so bad and against lefties, obviously he's been amazing overall, but he still hasn't really figured it out against lefties. And I mean, he's such a big part of this lineup every night that they can't really afford him to keep doing this. So, um, some of it, I'm trying to pull up the numbers right now and I'm kind of stalling while I do it, but, um, some of it I feel like is um, unsustainable. Like uh, I feel like JD Martinez, yeah, JD Martinez is a 121 WRC plus against lefties. He's gonna be better than that. Um, Nunez Nunez is better against righties, which is kind of weird. I feel like he should be like a perfect platoon partner for Devers, but he's not. So. I think they're gonna look at the deadline for a right-handed bat that can hit lefties to help this out. But for the most part, it just needs to be their stars. Other than, I mean, Betts has killed lefties, but other than that, guys just have to step up, and that, mostly Benintendi.
1: Yeah, I mean, Benintendi should should step up here. JD, like you said, I totally agree. He should be better. Xander Bogarts is one that I think should be better against lefties than he is.
2: Um, he's actually been pretty good this year. I guess it depends. I mean, 143 WRC, plus, but that is with pretty much no power. Right. So I think you kind of expect him to stay at that level of overall production, just kind of doing it differently. Um, right now, he's walking a ton and he has a huge babab. So the babab will probably come down, but the power will go up. So I don't really know if he's been a big issue. Um, but, yeah, I think it's it's Devers, it's Benintendi, it's Nunez, it's Martinez, it's Moreland, it's the catchers have been horrendous. Um, Bradley's been bad, but he's pretty much not playing as lefties anymore at this point.
1: You know what is scary, though? If the Red Sox don't win the division, and this is looking way down the road, imagine them matching up against Paxton in a one-game playoff. That would be scary as hell.
2: Yeah, but then, I mean, the Mariners would say the same thing about matching up against Chris Sale. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's just uh, it's one of those things you got to think about. Good news is though, the Yankees and the Astros both only have one lefty starter, CC Sabathia, who's like 200 years old, and yeah, Dallas the, Keuchel. Don't. Uh, CC is incredible. CC kills us.
2: We yeah, talked about I know. That's what I, that's what I'm saying. Don't don't downplay the CC <laughs> angle because. He's a Red Sox killer. But, yeah, the Red Sox have, like, all of the good lefties. So it's a, if you're going to be a team that's bad against lefties, a good strategy is just to hoard all the good lefties.
1: <laughs> yeah. Corner of the market on lefties. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about it. Exactly. Uh, bizarrely, though, the Red Sox have been pretty damn good against uh, Aroldis Chapman, who's that ace lefty yeah. reliever. So I don't know what the hell's going on.
2: They just I feel like they've just seen him so many times. Like, yeah. so much more than pretty much any other team that they just kind of know the strategy. I think, um, as far as tonight goes, this is totally bizarre. But Cora said that Paxton has reverse splits this year, so he's going to stack the lineup with lefties, even though that's like a one year thing for Paxton. That's weird. He
1: seems yeah, to be really like to it, a micro but... trend.
2: Yeah, so I don't know. I definitely don't like that. But at the same time, I don't really know what that means. Like, who's gonna sit? Like, if that means Holt's playing over Nunez, I can live with that.
1: Yeah, I'm fine with that. Pretty much any day against anybody at this point. Yeah, moment,
2: so. yeah, me too. So I mean, I don't, but I don't know. Like, it was a weird quote, but I don't know how much that really changes anything.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see once that lineup card comes out. But um, I think we should get to it. We've sort of been burying the lead here, but uh, there was a very spicy. Uh, Ken Rosenthal article that came out <laughs> suggesting that uh, the Red Sox might be a good fit for the Baltimore Orioles trading Manny Machado and Zach Britton. And so the the, the package that he talked about when, with this hypothetical trade was something like a Machado, a Britton, and a prospect for a Rafael Devers or an Andrew Benintendi. Matt, how do you feel about this possibility, and do you think that it has any chance of uh, a snowball's chance in hell of actually happening?
2: I mean, there's like a not a zero percent chance. It's a zero percent chance it'll be Ben I'll say that.
1: I totally agree with that. Yeah, that makes I, no sense to me. At I didn't all.
2: even know Ben was mentioned in that, and I read the article. I don't remember seeing his name, but yeah, uh attendee's not going anywhere. Devers, I can kind of see it I don't I definitely don't expect it but um if the Red Sox are going to make a big move it's going to be something like that and it's going to be a guy off the major league roster because they don't have anybody that's not on the major league roster so um Joyner wrote about it today and I mean it really just comes down to if you have an extension in place or at least feel really good about your ability to extend Machado You're not giving up Devers for a half year Machado. I don't think he makes you that much better this year that it would be worth it. Um, But, I mean, if you are feeling good about getting an extension done, I think you have to do it. And I think a lot of people are kind of waving it off. as ridiculous. But, I mean, what's the best case scenario for Devers? That he's as good a hitter as Manny Machado without being nearly as good on defense?
1: Yeah, that would be an I, absolutely best case scenario, and that's hard to dream yeah. up actually.
2: Yeah. So I mean, if you can extend Machado, then you do that every single time. But what's his incentive to
1: extend with the? Well, that's size? the thing.
2: That's why I don't think it's going to happen.
1: Yeah. But um, would you? So let's let's just look at it this way though. Would you take the risk of having him come here? With that package, obviously that's why you're getting guys like Britain and another prospect or whatever in that package for Devers, is because Machado can help you yeah. win now. Britain can help you win now, and the prospect helps restock the farm system. And sure, you lose five years of control for Devers, um, for potentially a half year at Machado. But do you take that risk, even if you don't have an extension in place? That hey, we're the Red Sox. Like we can we can meet whatever in the offseason – And he can help us potentially win a World Series this year.
2: Yeah, so it's hard for me to say because they know, like, they can go through back channels. And, like, they don't have to agree to an actual extension, but they can kind of get a feel like, are you, like, would you want to play in Boston? Are we going to have to, like, overpay over, say, the Yankees? Or, like, if we, if it was close, you would go to Boston you know what I mean?
1: Yeah.
2: Like you have to have kind of a feel of how he feels about Boston, which I don't have. But if you feel like you have a realistic chance and you're willing to spend the money and like not use that luxury luxury tax threshold as um as a barrier, then yeah, I think you do it. But I don't know. I'm not sure enough about any of that to say for sure that they should or shouldn't.
1: So I, I think immediately it would make the team way better. The thing is oh, yeah. that I, the thing that I have trouble with is like, this is sort of a situation kind of like when the Yankees brought on uh, Alex Rodriguez. He was a better shortstop than Derek Jeter, and he's the one that ended up playing third base. I, I know that Xander hasn't been a great defender when he has played third, but I wonder how Machado would feel about seeding shortstop to Xander because he's he's clearly better.
2: I don't know if he would.
1: You think Xander would move to third?
2: I think it would be possible. I think Machado's made it. I mean, that would be another thing. You would have to see what Machado wants to do. But he's Machado's made it very clear that he wants to play shortstop.
1: Right. I just don't – it's tough to see Xander moving over.
2: Yeah. It's kind of tough to see Machado going back to third too, though, right? And he's and so
1: good at third. Like, that's the yeah. thing. The difference between what Xander could be at third and what Machado can be at third is – The best defender in baseball at third and what maybe an average guy but it's it's
2: more about i mean the idea is that you want to keep machado in boston long term right and so you want to keep him happy and as much as i like bogarts machado would take precedent the you know machado wants to play shortstop machado's playing
1: shortstop that would make it all the it more works. likely that you would let Bogarts walk, though, when his hard years are up, though. If, if you were to move him over to that position, yeah, there's probably. no way he, he signs on long-term. Probably. But, so, again, you would
2: rather have Machado, though, right? I
1: Long guess. Term. I mean, I... I, uh, I guess. Yeah. You know you know how I feel about Bogey. Yeah, I, I just feel like, like there's so much promise there still. Yeah. Promise to be, like, a
2: worse defensive player the Machado with, like, similar offensive skills.
1: Yeah, I know. Like, again, the,
2: this is, like, the Machado is who Machado. you want these guys to be.
1: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. But it's just, uh, it's tough to think about. It It's weird. It's weird to think about, especially with all the shit that's gone down with the Sox and Machado over the years, you know? Machado hasn't exactly endeared himself to the Red Sox fan base.
2: Yeah. Yeah, what, the slide? I still don't, like... I still feel like the Red Sox came out looking worse in that whole situation than Machado did.
1: But Machado hasn't just done this one time. He's got into it with Donaldson. He's got into it with the Sox. He's got kind of a reputation for being a hothead.
2: Yeah, but I mean, who like Red Sox have had plays like that, and they, people have been embraced. If Machado came to the Red Sox, people would love Machado. Like there's no there's no doubt in my mind about
1: that. Yeah, I mean I'll buy his jersey. If yeah, exactly.
2: It, so. I mean, it's like I mean, people don't really like David Price, but when David Price is pitching like he is right now, people like David Price. He was hated before he came in. Alex Rodriguez would have been embraced. Like it's all about what jersey you wear. That's all that matters.
1: I still wouldn't buy
2: David Price's jersey. Well, I wouldn't buy any jersey because they're outrageously expensive.
1: <laughs> That's true. It's diff- so it's all about the jersey for me. <laughs> I don't even buy those. Just buy a plain shirt. Sure, this is Red Sox. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so, is this a good idea though? Like, if 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 this was it on the table, it should be explored. It. But would you do it if it's on the table? If the the Orioles call up tomorrow and they're like, all right, here it is. This is for, you know, we'll do this deal for Devers. Here's what Give you Give me
2: get. scale one to ten. How good do they feel about their chances to re-sign Machado?
1: let's say they feel a 7 out of 10 to resign machado.
2: Yeah, I'm doing it. Yeah.
1: How low would you go? Like if they were 50-50, 5 out of 10, would you I would need do? to be
2: more than 50-50.
1: Okay, so anything over 50-50, you're doing Yeah.
2: And they, they have I mean this a lot of it's on them too. It's not just on machado. They have to be willing to go fall 10 spots in the draft. Right. They just do because they have sales coming up and bets is coming up. They have they're going to be spending a lot of money coming up and so it's it's up to them if they want to spend the money or not
1: yeah i i agree though if it's over 50 50 you have to do this because especially i mean if you're getting britain back too that's not a small thing no no britain's that's awesome.
2: huge that's... they don't have a lefty in their bullpen and
1: like, that's they have a Brian dominant Johnson, right?
2: lefty yeah well hopefully he's only had one appearance i think
1: that sinker is Controls. ridiculous. yeah yeah so. no
2: if he's if he's like totally healthy and He's looking like he was before the injury. Then absolutely, he's disgusting. Things are freaking bowling ball.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's ridiculous.
2: Yeah, it's I I also don't know that the Orioles are going to trade them together. I don't know why they would do that.
1: It wouldn't seem to make sense. But I guess if you're if you're in a position where you can get somebody like Devers, because I think Devers yeah. is pretty much like that's yeah, that's the best possible return you could get for a guy like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Um. I still don't like I like I said. I don't really expect anything. Of any of this to happen but it's not
1: ridiculous that would be so good though because if that occurs and even if you think there's 60 percent chance you can keep Machado keeping Machado means that you're getting him for this year against the Yankees you're improving your defense you're improving your offense and you're keeping him away from the Yankees
2: yeah that was kind of that was Joyner's big point in his post this morning is that you're not only like adding Machado to your roster you're taking him off the Yankees roster um so i that's obviously huge i think he's gonna end up with the dodgers anyways i think this is all kind of move but
1: you think uh, the dodgers end up with him and harper
2: i'm talking about at the deadline i don't know what's gonna happen this offseason but i think machado makes too much sense for them at the deadline
1: yeah that'd be interesting um well we'll have to see how that goes don't expect it people um brandon workman I wanted to talk about him. He's been up uh, now for 5.1 innings pitched. Um, The guy's got a zero ERA since coming back up from Pawtucket. Um, He has looked really, really good. Have you noticed any change in the way he's pitching?
2: Um, Well, not particularly. His curveball's been sick. Um, But I feel like his curveball's always been sick when he's at his best. So I think he's just on a good run. Um, I think people are a little too excited about him, but I get it. I mean, I've been watching him; he's been amazing. It's hard, still hard to put away like those 2013 memories. Um, he was pitching in the playoffs, so I think he's a useful major league reliever. I don't think he's like someone you want in your top three, but the Red Sox have a lot of interesting guys that can bounce between Boston and Pawtucket for the bullpen um, during the dog days and workman probably the best out of them or at least deserves the chance to run away run into a bigger role than that so he's been impressive I don't know if he's going to keep this up but um, he's definitely something to be excited
1: about yeah I'm definitely intrigued by what I've seen from him Um, we know he's been good in the past when he's been healthy Um, But the curveball that you mentioned, he's actually thrown that pitch 33% of the time, which is the highest rate that he's ever thrown it in his career. Granted, it's only over a really short period of time, so we don't really know if that's going to keep up. But right now, since he's been up, he's been mixing his pitches between the four-seam cutter and curveball more than he ever has in the past. So I wonder if he really has changed the way that he's pitching and approaching things.
2: He's also way older than everybody thinks he is. You know how old he is?
1: I want to say he's 28. He's 29. 29, okay. He's going to be
2: 30 in August. Okay. So he is changing because he's a 30-year-old pitcher. He's probably losing a little bit on his fastball. Um, And he's going – and it's good to see that he's doing this. Um, It's showing that he can stick around. So I don't know if I'm – I'm kind of talking myself out of him, which I didn't really want to do. <laughs> I like Workman. Um, I think he's probably gone sooner rather than later. I mean, I think Thornburg's going to be back soon. So I'm more excited about Th- Thornberg than Workman right now. But yeah, Workman's going to be in the mix all year along with Thornberg, And I think Ty Buttrey is a guy that we should probably be talking about a little bit more. I think Chandler Shepard might get a chance in the bullpen in kind of a Hector Velazquez role. Um, there's but, a lot of interesting guys.
1: Buttry still needs a map to find the strike zone occasionally, though. He's been outstanding this year,
2: especially over the last like month or so. Um,
1: Do you trust that he can keep that command at the Major League level?
2: I think he deserves a chance to see. It's tough because the Red Sox have played so well that they should have, like cushion that they can kind of mess around with the stuff but the yankees are like annoying as fuck so they can't do that but yeah i mean i think buttery's earned a chance i just I, you're right it might not translate and that could end up being costly in this race so i think we'll see him get a chance but workman's ahead of him thornberg's ahead of him
1: yeah he's definitely an intriguing guy though i wonder if he could be someone that could be a, a chip
2: Buttery. Yeah, I could see it. Yeah, they kind of have a little bit of log jam, log jam though.
1: Yeah, they've got a lot of guys. It's it's not a bad thing to have this many uh, bullpen arms that you can swap in and out, like you said. It, it certainly has been useful for keeping guys fresh.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, Buttery is a guy that's been able to go multiple innings. Workman can go a couple innings if you need it. Um, if I mean Shepard's starting right now, so obviously he could go a couple innings. I don't know if they would put him back in the bullpen for a little bit. But if they would, I mean, that would be – they have so many of these multi-inning arms, and it's it's huge.
1: The last three weeks you've been on, Matt, you've talked about Chandler Shepard. I think you've got a thing for him right now.
2: Yeah, well, I do. <laughs> he's – I'm surprised. Like, I was not expecting him to be – to stick in the rotation as long as he has. Like, he's he's been a reliever his whole professional career over the winter – um. I forget where he played Mexico or the Dominican or something in a winter league, they had him start and I figured it was just to like, get him to throw some innings and then they just kept doing it. And he's been really good. Um, I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't want to, I'm going off on a tangent, but <laughs> the, the upper minors pitching Beaks, Shepard and Mike Schwaren in Portland are really good. And it's kind of, being overshadowed by the rest of the farm system being shit
1: does does shepherd have three pitches though that he can rely on
2: so i don't i've never seen him pitch so that's another reason i kind of want to see him in the majors because i don't know but i still i mean i don't think he's a starter in the majors but i think we're seeing that he can be someone that you can throw out there for two or three innings even in a high leverage spot and i think they like him a
1: lot Right, and pitchers do tend to learn a lot from being a starter. You know, if you Yeah, develop, you have to pitch differently. Right, you can develop a third offering, something that you can mix in there a little bit more, and some of the best closers and relief pitchers in baseball are failed starters. I mean, the first guy I always think about when I think about failed starters is Wade Davis.
2: Yeah, and Andrew Miller. And, I mean, it's, it's a lot.
1: And, yeah,
2: I mean, it makes sense, obviously, that you have your best pitchers as – starters through their development i mean josh hater was a starter too yeah
1: there you Wasn't
2: go even a failed starter but yeah it makes sense then shepherd's not that guy by the way for anybody listening
1: not hater not gonna be zach hater no. josh hater yeah um injury updates uh pedroia and drew pomerantz anything on those guys not really
2: <laughs> i know that's kind of a boring answer but I haven't really heard anything, which is both good and bad, I guess, because there haven't been any setbacks, but...
1: Yeah, uh, I, I heard um Cora talk about uh, Petey yesterday uh, on the radio, and basically all he said about Petey was that he's been at the park, and that his knee is still having some inflammation, and he didn't really give any specifics on the timeline, and then as far as Pomerantz, he started to throw the ball a little bit, but... Uh, it seems like his neck is bothering him a little bit. So oh, yeah, I did there, see that. There's just, yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like there's any close timeline for these two guys. Yeah, I don't think they're going to rush either of them
2: for different reasons. Pomerantz, they've been doing well without him. Steven Wright's been great. They don't really have any incentive to rush him back. Um, I think people, I got really mad online yesterday about <laughs> people being mean to Drew Pomerantz. But, I mean, he's good, and they <coughs> – sorry. Um, their best rotation is him instead of right. And so I don't think I would bet on him getting back to the level he was last year, but the best way, or the best chance of that happening is if they take their time with this. So I think they're going to take their time with him, and I think they're going to take their time with Pedroia because they don't really have another choice. They can't rush him back again only to have them hit the DL a week later. Um, yeah. It would be bad. Psyche for everybody, it would be a bad look for them. So uh, they're not going to let that happen.
1: I wonder if they can trade Pomerantz at the deadline for, say, like a uh, Anderson Espinosa type. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good trade, man. It was a good trade. It was. It worked out for the Sox. I uh, I hated that trade when it happened, but it ended up being a I didn't,
2: pretty I good. I did not even think I hated it. I... It definitely took me by
1: surprise, but after, like,
2: a half hour, I kind of came around on it.
1: It took me a week of talking to people to, to come yeah, around. Yeah, Povarance is good. It's uh, I
2: hate how people don't acknowledge that Povarance has been good for two years in a row.
1: Well, you know who else is good? Mookie Betts. And Mookie he's Betts is back. Good. And uh, timing still doesn't look like it's 100% there, but I kind of like the idea that Cora and him talked about... The fact that it's kind of stupid for him because he would have had to go to a ball. That's where his rehab assignment would have been. He's like, "Uh, I think you're good enough to get your timing at the major league level. So that's probably a really solid decision.
2: I think it was the offense had been really bad over the last like week before he came back. I think if they were rolling, they would have sent him to Salem and like let him do that. I think it was more about the major league team kind of looking like shit and you're right, it wouldn't have been like that big of a deal. So they were willing to kind of rush it a little bit. But um, yeah, I think it was more because they were looking bad without him.
1: Yeah. Cora's reasoning was kind of funny, though. Like, uh, yeah, he's got that, uh, that hand-eye coordination that pretty much no one else has. So if anybody can get their timing against big leaguers, it's bets.
2: And he, ha- I mean, I don't know that he doesn't have his timing back because he's made some good contact that just has found defenders he's already hit a home run i think he's gonna have a big night tonight i hope this gets out before the game so i don't look like an idiot but
1: oh it'll be out before the game
2: (laughs) no i think i think he's gonna have a big night i think they're gonna win because of him
1: yeah i'd like to see that it'd be nice to see him dominate paxton Uh, a little update on the draft picks uh, Matt has been keeping track of the signees. And um, so far, um, every one of the top 11 has signed, except for the number two pick, um, Decker, and the number seven pick or six pick, eight. Eli Marrero. Uh, eight. Eight, okay. Um, so that's pretty good. All of those guys have signed. And what happened with Northcut is sort of what we predicted last week on the podcast. The, they gave a bunch of guys... Uh, under slot money, and he ended up getting basically what the third pick would have got, a little bit more than the third pick got for his signing spot.
2: Yeah, Decker's um, gonna sign. I don't know when. I have um, no doubt in my mind that he's gonna sign. Probably a little over slot. Maybe not. Maybe for slot value. Um, Marrero, I would assume is gonna sign. I haven't heard anything about him, uh, so I don't really know there, but. Decker will definitely be signed at some point. We don't really have the bonuses for anyone yet. But uh, right now, Northcutt, his deal um, cuts into their pool pretty significantly. So they're going to have to go underslot on some of these guys who have signed, but their bonuses haven't come out. Mm -hmm. Good news is there's a couple of seniors left that are going to sign for way under slot. We saw it with uh, Devlin Granberg. Is their sixth pick. He signed for forty thousand when slot was two hundred forty thousand. So that's what happens to the seniors. That's where you save their money. So the Red Sox obviously know what they're doing. They're gonna get this all done and it's gonna look fine.
1: Yeah. It's uh, looking like a pretty decent draft for them so far, so Yeah. We should uh spinners start tonight and uh Feltman's
2: going to the Spinners, so Ooh. He'll be the guy to watch there. Yeah, I was hoping they were at home. I was gonna uh drive down there tonight but they're not at home
1: Mm. well sounds like a over the monster field trip needs to happen yeah we can stay at my parents house Yeah, there we go all right so listener questions uh we have a bunch of them tonight you guys were jazzed up so that's awesome uh first one comes from friend of the podcast tom pringle he says dark dark question here Uh, If Mookie Betts killed someone, and you were the only one who knew, could you live with yourself watching him receive a World Series ring with the Red Sox this season and many more seasons after? Uh, Matt, Um, what would you do here?
2: I'd probably turn him in before any of that could happen. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, don't murder people, Mookie Betts. Um, So your question is negated by the fact that he would have been turned in already. and well, would not be leading to the world series.
1: I'm just gonna say this. Uh snitches get stitches and uh yeah. I ain't turning in mookie pets.
2: Alright, well <laughs> that's a frightening way to live life, but okay.
1: Uh, I had to go with the opposite take there. Um Brandon Stewart uh, he says, the Machado talk is a pipe dream. The man we should really be focusing on is JT Real Mudo. How serious do you think DD makes a run at him? How, yeah, that's phrased strange. Um, what do you think? Do you think that he actually makes a run at this dude? Uh, what, with what? Yeah.
2: Like, the Machado thing makes sense because they have Devers who plays that position. I guess if the Marlins really like Christian Vasquez, you might be able to start a package with him and hope that they also like Groom and Chavis and their other high-end guys. But, I mean, they're stretching really thin. If they're, I would love for them to get Real Muto. I don't think they have the pieces to make that happen.
1: So if it was Vasquez, Groom, and Chavis for Real Muto, do you do that? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I, I think anyone in this system, you trade... For guy, like, real yeah,
2: makeup. I mean, you don't go, like, crazy. You don't trade, like, Vasquez plus, like, seven prospects or something stupid like that. But, yeah, I mean, there's nobody in the system that's, like, that good where you don't get a young... I mean, he's 27 in his prime under control for three, four more years. So, I mean, you you do that every time. And
1: it's a, it's a real good bet for the position, so... Yeah,
2: exactly. And he's not bad behind the plate. That would be a huge upgrade for them, but... Um, I honestly think that's more of a pipe dream than the Machado. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, eh, I don't know. I, think, I they're,
2: think they're both pipe dreams. Yeah. But like I said, the Machado thing, they have Devers at that position as a trade ship. It, Chavis is, or, uh, sorry, Vasquez is not the trade ship that
1: Devers is, obviously. Yeah. Vasquez is, uh, he is what he is. He's, he's fine. He's totally yeah, you fine. You can, live the- roster but he's not he doesn't have a ton of trade value no next question comes from ski chick and she says do you think the Sox will beef up the bullpen i know we have some dudes but it seems to always be one injury away i guess i'll tackle this one first Uh, i think that's the clear area where everybody in the media uh in everybody who writes tends to think that they're going to try and beef up the bullpen. Um, I kind of think it's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to be a high-impact move, though, because, frankly, the bullpen has been really deep and pretty effective this year, so I don't know if a huge move is necessary. What do you think?
2: I think they're going to get a good arm, like a Britton or a Herrera or somebody like that. Um, That's kind of been dombrowski's mo every year he's come here um he's gotten somebody to put behind Kimbrel um every year they haven't always had a bullpen this good and a bullpen this trustworthy through the year but i mean we've seen how important a deep bullpen is in the playoffs and obviously the red sox are looking at a deep playoff run this year and i think i mean they've been connected to herrera already this year um I believe he's a free agent after the season, so he, he shouldn't yep. cost yeah he shouldn't cost a huge package. I think that kind of makes a lot of sense. Um, I also don't think that's the biggest need. I think that's the biggest move they're gonna make, but I think they need some bench help in a real bad way.
1: Yeah, the bench doesn't seem to be ideal right now, and I think this next question sort of gets into that. Uh, question comes from Gabe Faulkner, and he says, "Do you see Dombrowski making a move to the deadline? If so, what?" And how long does Swihart stick around? So let's let's talk about the second part of the question. Certainly the way that the, the bench is set up right now with either Holt or Nunez on the bench plus Swihart and a catcher is not ideal. You want more bench flexibility than that. So, I mean, do you think that this is some – is it enough of a need where they will go out and get a Herrera and they'll also address the bench? you think they'll make multiple moves here?
2: Yeah, I hope so. Um, because I don't think addressing the bench is going to be that expensive. I know we're not talking about a star here, but they need somebody. Frankly, they need somebody better than Swihart.
1: Well, it seems like Um, if you were a team that was out of it, it seems like it would make a hell of a lot of sense for you to swap a better bat who's a veteran right now for a guy like Swihart.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And hope that
1: Swihart develops. that, That trade makes all the sense in the world.
2: Yeah, and I don't. I haven't, like, gone deep enough into this to know who these guys are. I mean, I'm talking totally theoretically. But, I mean, if they could get an outfielder who hits right-handed, they should absolutely go do that because that is a big piece missing off this team. Um, Honestly, Swyhart has no place on this roster. And they're kind of stuck because they have nobody that's, like, clearly and significantly better than him. Yeah. There's no one at
1: the upper minors that... Makes I think
2: Lynn is better than him, but I don't think it's, like, by a huge margin, and he's kind of redundant with Holt.
1: And he doesn't really hit either. I mean, he hits fine, and he's... Yeah, well, he Swinehart doesn't field, either, and right. Lynn's
2: a better runner, and Lynn's a better fielder. Um, I think in a vacuum, he's clearly a better player. It's just... It's not enough of an upgrade, and they already have Brock Holt, so...
1: Imagine if you could text your 2014 self and tell him that you would have just said on a podcast, yeah, Lynn is clearly a better player than Blake Swihart. To be fair, Lynn was a pretty
2: big signing back. I don't know whenever that was 2012, 2013, whenever it was, but yeah, yeah I mean, that was, this is obviously crazy <laughs> and it says more about Swihart than anything, but
1: yeah. Top, top 20 think... baseball prospectus prospect one year. Lynn? No, Blake Swihart top oh. 20 overall. Oh, I thought
2: you meant in the, um, in the system. No, yeah, um, yeah, I mean, we've been over this wire thing, but the position player depth is so bad. It's <laughs> like the f- the players in Pawtucket on the forty man roster are Lynn and Sam Travis. That's disgusting.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not good,
2: <laughs> and they have I like I love Marco Hernandez. I haven't heard anything about Marco Hernandez since like March. I don't know if he's still alive. No. Who and knows so, what's going I don't. On with
1: that shoulder, that was no joke. That certainly. Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's shoulders are no joke. But I mean, I definitely don't think you can count on him. And so, it's just him and Pajoy on the DL. They they need another bat. In a bad way.
1: Yep, I totally agree. Arm and a bat, done. Get it done. Do it. Jack Bale asks our next question. How likely is it that the Red Sox trade for a third baseman? Would Beltre or Moustakis be realistic options? Uh, Matt, what do you think about either of these two options? Do you think that they would be anything the Red Sox would consider?
2: If Devers keeps struggling and they could get those guys for relatively cheap, I wouldn't be shocked to see, like, Beltre come in and Devers spend some time in Pawtucket and try and get back on track and then kind of have – a month to six weeks with Devers on the major league roster and on the bench with Beltre kind of as a mentor. I mean, that kind of sounds great to me. I don't think they're going to trade Beltre. That's kind of been the feeling for a couple of years now, that they're just never going to trade Beltre. So I don't think the stock is that realistic. I think he'll go to like Atlanta or something, but if they could get Beltray, I could see it.
1: Yeah, Beltray would be awesome. I would absolutely love to see him back with the Red Sox. And like you said, I mean, Devers is 21 years old. <laughs> sending him down for more seasoning for a little while and then having him on the bench in September would not be the worst thing in the world.
2: Yeah, I have no problem sending him down. It's just you need somebody else to play there. and Right now, they don't
1: have that. Yeah, and Moose is having a good season. He's also not a typical Red Sox-type player. He's I think low, it's old, more... Old guy.
2: I mean the reason I like Beltre so much more is like the mentor aspect. Like he would just be such a good guy to have in front of Devers on the Depth Shire for like six weeks and through the playoffs and I don't know, I don't really get that feeling. Stokus, nothing against him, but Beltre just is like a guy that everybody loves.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He was a he was a joy when he was on the team. Oh, that was the best. Yeah. Definitely should have signed him. <laughs> Um, next question comes from Lorenzo Indereg, and he says, with sale making an adjustment to throw harder, is it even more reason to go to a six man rotation and get him rest over the course of the season?
2: Not all the time, but they should go, they're going through like a long stretch without days off. Then, yeah, I like the idea of going six men in a turn every once in a while. Um, but the division is too close to be doing all six-man rotation all year because I don't know who's the six-man right now. Is it Beaks?
1: Yeah, probably be Beaks. Yeah, at this point.
2: And I like Beaks, and I think he definitely deserves another chance at some point, but I don't want him having the ball every six days.
1: Yeah, I definitely think he'd get the nod over, like, uh, Velasquez or – Justin Haley or anything like that so
2: Ooh, I don't actually maybe Haley would get the nod. you think if it was like soon yeah because Beaks like it just happened with Beaks they might want him to have a couple more stars to get his confidence back up I like Haley he's I mean, he's not exciting you don't want him on like a playoff rotation or anything but I think he's a little underrated
1: yeah, he seems to know how to pitch
2: so. yeah he's fine he was any I mean, he pitched a while in the majors last year um, for the Twins. The only reason they kept him was because they were buyers for like two days before turning to sellers, before making the playoffs.
1: Note on the Twins right here. I'm just going to go on a tangent for a second. Um, <laughs> so, no? People forget how good Johan Santana was. Like, what? It, I it just... I really feel like more than any other pitcher recently, I feel like people forget just, like, how ridiculous (laughs) he was. I don't even disagree. Where the hell did that come from? I'm just thinking about Twins pitchers, (laughs) man. Like, he was... Yeah. Holy shit, was he good. He was amazing.
2: He was really good with the Mets, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that is that is a true thing that you just said, that you just died speechless. I don't know where that came from. <laughs>
1: just I thought you were going to say something on about on. Sano getting sent down. Yeah, screw him, He's, man. Whatever. Is. Um, <laughs> Adam Sell asks us, who are we cheering for in the World Cup since there's no USA and, like, no Italy and no, like, a million other popular Italy. teams? Yeah, there's no Italy. So, uh, yeah, what does that matter?
2: Well, you know I mean? Italy? are you no, Italian
1: you're no, not, Italian. not Italian you're French right no I mean whatever enough about me but <laughs> no. you are
2: French right I'm assuming Definitely. well
1: sort of um, French. Yeah. I'm French too it's not to be ashamed of man no I'm not, not ashamed um, heritage is just complicated um, but the, the thing is a lot of people root for teams like Italy you know and like when Ireland makes the World Cup like people root for Ireland and stuff like that so it's just weird not having teams like Yes. i don't really know anything about soccer no i i don't know much either um i guess i will say the one year i got really into it was 2006 i think it was and i rooted for germany and then i was like kind of pumped when they won it last time so i guess if everything's equal i'll probably root for germany which i know is sort of like rooting for the yankees
2: is it are they that good
1: I don't know if – I guess probably Brazil would be like rooting yeah, for the Yankees. That but that
2: like, I would think.
1: Maybe it would be like rooting for the Sox.
2: Yeah, listen, I have no idea.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: I will say that in high school I was like the only one of my friends that didn't play on the soccer team. So I spent a lot of time around soccer, and I had a lot of chances to like soccer, and I just don't really like soccer. Um, but it's on at 8 o'clock in the morning and there's nothing else on at 8 o'clock in the morning. So I have been watching, and I have decided to root for Costa Rica nice. for literally no reason. I don't think they're very good, but I was looking for kind of an obscure country that's not problematic. And as far as I know, Costa Rica is not super problematic at least. And plus I know people that have gone there and said it's really nice. So go yeah. Costa Rica. No,
1: not only is Costa Rica really nice, apparently it's one of like the most uh, – eco-friendly uh places on earth like they do a lot of
2: uh i can get behind that green stuff no
1: Costa Rica. yeah yeah i don't a... i don't think
2: they're very good at soccer though right
1: no they're better than the united states apparently <laughs> well, apparently <laughs> um yeah i like that pick isn't it coming to the u.s yeah 2029 like, it's going to be yeah. um, i think the the breakdown <laughs> is going to be about uh, 80% or so of the games are going to take place in the United States. Yeah, then and then Canada
2: Mexico. I think yeah. there's
1: some games in Boston. Yeah, yeah, well, they're talking about maybe the Patriots uh, getting some games oh, out at okay. uh, Gillette. So That makes sense. they yeah. definitely won't be going to that. Uh, depends on the – yeah, those prices are going to be nuts. <laughs> there's no way I'm paying for that. Uh, Jason, uh, Justin Gabbard asks our next question. He says, is Pedroia afraid of wet grass? um i don't think Pedroya is afraid of wet grass i think the trainers are afraid of Pedroya on wet grass with his bum knee um what I, I don't understand this question well so there were a few times when he was on rehab stints where it would like rain and they wouldn't yeah. allow oh, him to play is that what that's about yeah that's literally every player on rehab <laughs> they never
2: let a player on rehab play when it's been raining why would they do that yeah Yeah,
1: or you could slip on the bag. There's a a bunch of different things that could happen. It's a game that doesn't matter.
2: They're not going to have them play. Oh,
1: god damn it. What a
2: stupid question. (laughs) Bad question, Justin. Bad question.
1: Be better, Justin. Yeah, jeez. Mark Anderson asks, or more realistically, what's your pipe dream trade deadline deal? Does DeGrom get dealt? What does the bullpen look like in October? What is your pipe dream deal? I guess Machado. Um,
0: Machado and a
1: signing, right? Yeah,
2: Machado and Britton with Machado staying here, um, I guess. DeGrom will not get dealt
1: because the Mets are the Mets. Also, it doesn't make sense, right, to deal
2: him? Why wouldn't it make sense? The Mets are awful.
1: Yeah, but, like, DeGrom still has control, and he's – the Mets aren't that far off. Like you could see a healthy Mets team. Well,
2: being If like... the Mets were any other team other than the Mets, they wouldn't be that far off, but they are the Mets. <laughs> I guess so. That's true. I would trade DeGrom to them. I don't think they're going to. Um I kind of have a bad feeling if they do he's going to go to the Yankees.
1: No way um, they do that. No way. They would they would take every good young player from the Yankees for like the next 5 years. I don't know, like man. That. I mean, that, that the deal would probably start with Gleiber.
2: Yeah, that's what they're saying. Um, I don't know. I feel like we always feel like these trades should start with a guy like that, and then it doesn't. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a package to like Andujar and Frazier and like Rutherford and maybe like a Bray or like a bunch of like really good players that aren't superstars like torres i could see some like the yankees have the depth to make something like that happen
1: if that happened and then they went and signed machado to plug third i would be so pissed oh,
2: i would cry for like six weeks <laughs> <That'd be awful. laughs> that would be a nightmare but uh, like i said i don't think he's gonna get traded what was the other one What does the bullpen look like yeah i say Kimberl herrera kelly barnes
1: um in company. I was mean, feeling like, like uh, Herrera is the most likely guy too to end up on the Red Sox, so.
2: Yeah, I think he's like the right mix of being really good and not costing a ton.
1: Yeah.
2: He's Maybe. kind of underrated too. He's been on a bad team for a couple of years. When the Royals were good, he was like the third reliever even though he was dominant.
1: Yeah, he's had more dominant years in the past four seasons than he has had off years. Last year was an off year for him, but this year he's been incredible. So yeah,
2: it's been awesome. And he's been the only good thing about their bullpen.
1: Yeah, it's been a it's been a miserable pitching staff in general for that team. I guess it's been a miserable everything except for like a couple. Well, of those strikeouts
2: are way down. which is just fine with me. They don't Red Sox have enough strikeout guys in their bullpen, but um. I don't know. I just the other I talked to you about this. Jared Hughes is like another guy that I'm kind of intrigued by, as like a guy who will cost almost nothing. He's been really good, and he just reminds me of Brad Ziegler so much.
1: But and Brad Ziegler kind of wasn't great here. What? Brad Ziegler was
2: amazing. I don't remember him being great. He was. Fantastic. He started striking out guys like out of nowhere. Yeah, he had a 1.52 ERA. He was striking out over a batter an inning. He had a 2.71 FIP.
1: He was awesome. Well, what was the thing with him? They like didn't use him. They didn't use him enough. Wasn't that the Um, thing? There was something weird. I don't rem. I
2: remember him being. I thought he was a pretty big part of that. Because that was probably Dombrowski's best trade. Like just from a straight value standpoint. I'm 100% convinced that he uh, tricked the Diamondbacks into trading for the wrong Basabe brother, <laughs> and so I, 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 that's like, it's not even a joke, because there's no way they would have done that trade for the wrong Basabe brother. That made no sense at the time. I think he, I think Dabrowski played them, and he got an incredible, and I don't know how they got him to strike out over a batter per inning. But that was the best trade. And so I kind of like Jared Hughes as like a weak contact guy that maybe they can, Brian Bannister would be able to get more strikeouts out of. Um, That wouldn't be a trade to rile the fan base or anything, but I would enjoy it.
1: Uh, If you really like Brad Ziegler, an interesting point about Ziegler is that he has only a half year left on his deal as well, has a 6.16 ERA. Oh, he's been awful.
2: That was another one of Debrossi's good moves is to let him go
1: (laughs) but i'm just saying like his underlying numbers right now he's gonna no i'm not saying he's good now no i'm i I am i'm saying that maybe there's something there you could probably get him for nothing yeah
2: oh no he's toast man
1: he's 38 he's like
2: he's he's real bad i think
1: he's getting save
2: opportunities
1: he yeah he's got nine saves on the year he's 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 not
2: there well he's been there closing most of the year he just got taken out of the role
1: yeah bear claw bear claw had a couple for them too so
2: bear claws their closer now
1: yeah he's uh he's actually a good player he's all right yeah all right well that about does it for the podcast for this week uh guys thank you very much for submitting questions Uh, if you like the podcast please go on itunes stitcher anywhere you get your shows rate and review us there and make sure you subscribe you can follow us both on twitter can follow um, matt on twitter at, at matt ry Collins, and you can follow matt more importantly for baseball stop at @OverTheMonster, over the monster and then you can follow me on twitter at, at DevJake and we'll be with you next week at the same time